Hey, Jason Wood here, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Today we have a really exciting episode for you. Come on and take a look. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. Uh, really exciting guest today, Marty Scovlin from Black Rifle Coffee Company, amongst other things that he's involved in. And um, Marty, I'm super pumped. Um, I've been following you and, and your guys' group um, for years now. Um, primarily some of the videos you guys make just make me laugh. Um, but um, I love what you guys are all about and just kind of that American spirit and stuff. So I wanted to, um, hey, thank you and, and welcome you to the show and um, just talk about, you know, your experience. You're involved in a ton of stuff. Obviously, you're, you're in the military, you're in the army um, and just hear from you. Um, a little bit about your story. So I, I usually like to just ask people, you know, what what prompted you to even join the military? Yeah, well, uh, first, you know, thanks for having me on, Jason. And uh, this is uh, a pretty cool setup that you guys have. And I looked at some of your other previous guests, and uh, I feel like I am in danger of possibly being your most uninteresting guest, but I'll do my best to, to try to <laughs> overcome that. So I joined in 2004, and then left for basic in 2005. And you know, I grew up in South Dakota. So, um, you know, I'm a pretty tall guy. I know you can't tell on the camera here, but uh, my main thing growing up because of my height was, well, I'm either going to play for the Lakers or become an Army Ranger. And uh, it became pretty clear by about my freshman or sophomore year of high school that Lakers probably wasn't in the cards. So <laughs> I uh, diverted my attention towards uh, getting ready for the military. And that was, you know, right around that time that my basketball aspirations started to fall apart was, was right about the time that nine 11 happened. And, um, uh, you know, I'm not going to be like the person that says like, Oh, I was motivated to join because of nine 11, but that, like, you know, certainly that cemented it at least, you know, um, yeah. I still had a couple of years to go. I remember at that time though, I started making plans to see if I could graduate from high school early because I was nervous that I would miss the war. Um, which seems hilarious at this point. So yeah, you know, I went into the military and, uh, you know, 2005 went to Fort Benning. Uh, I enlisted in the army as a, uh, an infantryman with a uh, ranger contract and, uh, had a few bumps along the way. I got shot in basic training. I got food poisoning in airborne school. I fell off the fast road tower in ranger selection. Oh, geez. Um, it was a pretty rough go there, but, but I eventually ended up making it over to uh Seco first ranger battalion in Savannah, Georgia. And, uh, yeah, that kind of started my military adventure. Um, you know, didn't have much time at all by the time I, you know, it wasn't, I guess maybe a, a month and a half or so from the time I put my tan beret on for the first time. And, uh, I was in Iraq, so wow. uh, pretty short flash to bang there, but yeah, ended up doing, uh, three deployments to Iraq to Afghanistan. And then, um, towards the end of that there, I pretty much planned to stay in the military, but wanted to do some other things that I had, uh, become aware of, um, uh, you know, that I didn't know about before and until I kind of got into the special operations community, but I needed to take a break first. Uh, I was newly married. Um, and, uh, so I kind of, my wife wanted to go back to Boston where she was from and, I wanted to stay in the army. And so I figured, well, what's the one thing that you can go literally anywhere in the country for and still stay in the army? And that was recruiting. So I volunteered to be a recruiter and uh, did that for three years, which is a pretty unorthodox path for 
you know, people coming out of uh, the Ranger Regiment, but um, yeah. it was a really good experience. I don't regret it at all, actually. And it's actually become, uh, you know, very useful in, in the sort of stuff that I do these days. But uh, yeah, I ended up getting out of the military in 2013. And uh, I've kind of been off on a multimedia um, career path ever since then. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, so I'm sure you have quite a bit of crazy stories and stuff from deployments and such. Um, anything, anything you're allowed to talk about that you can share with us? <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I think the kind of the funny part is, is, and I would say that the Ranger Regiment is like one of the most opsec paranoid uh, units, in, not just in the military, but even within the special operations community. You know, um, but but honestly, it's you know, there's only so many different ways you can do a raid, right? Like it's, there's nothing too crazy about it. I think that the only difference in the Ranger Regiment is like, you know, typically, um, you know, they've got a little bit better, you know, uh, equipment to be able to do said raids with. And, uh, and the people you're going after are, um, typically, um, a little bit higher up the totem pole, um, in, in many cases, but yeah, it was, um, you know, of course five trips, you know, some were more exciting than others. And, Certainly, I was not like, you know, the the dude that, uh, you know, there's like that Heraclitus quote about like, you know, the hundred Spartans going in and you whittle your way down to there's the one that brings them all back. Like, I was not the one. I was like, <laughs> hey, I hope you guys just keep me around for a while. Like, don't fire me. OK, like I, I like being here. Savannah's nice. I don't want to go to like Fort Hood or something and, uh, you know, get murdered. Right. Um, so it, it was one of those things where like, you know, it was definitely a good learning experience for me. I, I think I grew a lot as a person and there was a lot of, you know, the great part about being in a place like that where you're around so many different competitive people that are literally the best in the world at what they do. Um, you know, many of them go on to, uh, you know, the Army's premier spe special missions unit and go up to do just incredible things. Um, and I, I just, you know, considered myself so lucky to have served alongside those guys and been able to learn from them and and see their example and, and try to live up to, uh, you know, somebody that, you know, deserved to stand in the same formation as them, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, deployments, there's, uh, I don't know, there's not, you know, nothing too crazy. I don't think like I was never in like a knockdown drag out, like, you know, Mogadishu or Normandy style, <laughs> um, you know, firefighter or anything like that. Um, you know, a, a lot of our stuff was, it was almost exclusively done at night, I guess. And so you always kind of had that element of surprise with you. And it made for, it, I mean, it was just really fun to go to war. I loved being in the military, but the parts that I loved most were being able to deploy and actually do the job and, you know, ride in helicopters and, um, you know, go do the stuff that you kind of envision your stuff doing. A lot of what you do in the training cycle and back home is kind of like, you know, the army's the army, right? Like, or the, in the military is the military. It's, yeah. Not every day is incredible. And you find yourself doing a lot of things that you just didn't even know you would have to do in the military when you joined up. So I definitely lived for the the deployments. And, um, you know, it was, uh, like I said, it was, it was on, like, I hate saying that about war because it impacts people in so many different ways, many of them negatively, whether you're talking about the, you know, American or coalition participants that, uh, in war or, you know, the local Iraqis or Afghans or, or, you know, whatever theater you're talking about, you know, there's so many negative impacts of war, but honest to God, man, like it was fun for me, you know, like yeah. I was one of those guys at the time when we were talking about the SOFA agreement and winding down the wars, you know, back then, um, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I want to be in the army if there's not a war going on, you know, <laughs> and that actually heavily influenced my decision to go like, okay, I could step away for a second and go do this recruiting thing. And, 
let my wife be closer to her family and get her career started, you know, because I thought things were winding down. That couldn't have been further from the truth at the time. Not then, not now. Right. So, um, yeah, really an interesting time. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. I, I hear that a lot from people too, is, you know, being able to apply their training, right? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. you, you can only train so much before, you know, the whole reason you're doing is to, to apply it. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, and that's why you're doing it. Right. And that's for a lot of guys, that's, that's the passion. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's not necessarily probably the most, uh, fun thing to say that you enjoyed it, but I mean, I mean, we got to face it. That's what a lot of the guys and gals that are in the military, they're training to do that, right? They're training to go to war. Um, yeah, the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so you guys, so you ended up transitioning out. What did you do? I mean, I know now you're, you're quite the entrepreneur and have a lot of stuff going, but what was kind of the next step once you got out of the army? What, did, what happened? The whole, you know, like I said, I had other aspirations. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing at the time was I, you know, wrote this, uh, thing that was just kind of came from like a reoccurring memory that I had had from my fourth deployment. And it's kind of like just this description of a ranger getting ready to go on a mission. And, um, and, uh, you know, so I wrote that one night I was, you know, on recruiting duty and probably feeling a little bit nostalgic and maybe the better part of the way through a, uh, a case of beer. So, (laughs) you know, um, I put that together and kind of, you know, I got done with it and I thought it wasn't half bad, you know, in my, at the time, very untrained writer's eye, writer, editor's eye. Like I didn't know. Um, but you know, put it on social media and it actually ended up going kind of like, I don't want to say like viral, viral, but like viral through the military community. Right. Right. Um, a lot of people identified with it, both Rangers and other people, you know, in even other, you know, just uh, anybody who served in the military, there was things that they could kind of pick out and, you know, I had a lot of people that were asking for me to like, you know, put it on a shirt or on a poster or something like that. And so I was like, oh man, maybe I could start a little side gig here. And and this is before really there was this entire onslaught of like veteran apparel companies and things like that. It was like, you know, Ranger Up was around and that was pretty much it. Right. Right. Um, You know, this was pre, you know, pre article 15, you know, pre Matt Best and you know all that sort of stuff. Uh, Matt was still out there, you know, banging heads together and, and, and doing work. So it was kind of just this thing that I thought maybe I could make an extra few bucks doing and I'm doing really well, you know, that for the, my last year in the army, I ended up having this business that just kind of exploded on me making shirts and posters and art prints and some things like that. And it did well enough that, uh, I was like, you know, you know, my reenlistment was coming up. I'd already taken the D lab to transition over to, um, uh, my plan was to go, uh, switch my MS over to be a crypto linguist. And, um, and I had everything set for that, but you know, there's just this whole thing of like, man, this is doing really well. I wonder if I'm going to regret setting this aside to go further my military career. And so I, you know, ended up separating from the military and pursuing that full time. And really all, um, really all that was, was I found out in, in relatively short order, uh, you know, another couple of years, right. I liked writing and storytelling, you know, via like, you know, we'd started a company blog and then that kind of took a life took on a life of its own. And we did a documentary that won a film festival. We did a short film that won a film festival. We did these different things that I'd never even been exposed to before. And now all of a sudden I found myself going like, man, I just want to like write stories, take pictures, make movies, you know, whatever I can in this, you know, whatever, you know, uh, venue in the storytelling community, I can find a spot. Like I want to do that. And so, you know, um, we kind of split up the company a little bit and there's parts of it that are still around, like Havoc Journal is, is still alive and well and doing some cool stuff. 
And, um, and I just, you know, went, you know, full time into, you know, trying to what actually ended up being, you know, turning into a journalist and, and doing more film stuff. And, um, you know, did a history channel show and, and, you know, there's all these opportunities that opened up to me once I started to devote my efforts full time to that, yeah, that storytelling passion. And now I, you know, run coffee or die for black rifle coffee, which is kind of, def- you know, definitely over the past couple of years, taken on a life of its own again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I, you know, found you guys and stuff is, you know, black rifle. I got introduced, a friend of mine shared with me a video, gosh, three or four years ago. Um, and I, I can't recall the deals, but I just remember it was hilarious. And, um, and so then I just, I started following you guys and stuff and, you know, now I have a coffee subscription and I'm a member, but, <laughs> um, Thank you know, you. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think my shipment's arriving today actually. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's been really cool. And I think one of the, the, my favorite parts about it is you guys are like, um, you're unapologetic for like your patriotism and just, you know, that kind of that like American spirit, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and that warrior in, in all you guys. And that part is, is really, really cool to me. I think, um, you know, society kind of tries to, to clamp that down a little bit on us, um, at least over the last, um, decade or so. But I just, I just love kind of that, that oorah spirit you guys have and, um, just always promoting that. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how the, the coffee company came to be and how, um, you know, it's a group of you guys. I think, you know, everyone is a veteran and, has their own different contributions to, but how did that kind of like group form and how did you guys create this? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's really interesting how far, you know, they started it at the end of 2014. And, and so it's just now coming up on six years old uh, this November actually. And um, it, it's really incredible, you know, something that started in, in Evan, Evan Hafer, he's the CEO and, and uh, founder. Um you know, something that literally started in his garage with a little, you know, one pound coffee roaster doing the packaging himself and, and everything to today about 400 employees and, you know, multiple retail locations and finding this stuff in Walmart and Bass Pro and, you know, whatever gas station you walk into, it's like, it's really incredible. And out of those 400 people still kind of staying true to that, that, that goal of uh, making a community for veterans, it's, you know, about 50% of the company is, is, is a military veteran. Um, and, and many more that are first responders and, um, or spouses of veterans or, uh, you know, it, it's just such a great community and, and a great, um, uh, a great family that's been built around this brand, you know? And, uh, but yeah, so it started, you know, like you said, at the end of 2014 with Evan linking up with, uh, Matt Best and Jared Taylor to, bring them into it. And I think the first um, bag of coffee they sold wasn't even called black rifle coffee. It was, it was like called freedom roast, I think. And uh, they sold that through Matt and Jared's article 15 uh, website and it sold out immediately. And uh, I think that's when they said, okay, there's something here. And they went to work, um, you know, building a company. And and I certainly don't want to speak for the guys that founded it. Um, I've, you know, I'm proud to have kind of been, have a front seat, I think, uh, to them building this, um, you know, I was able to be in, you know, their first commercial and I've known the guys since, you know, uh, a little while before the company started and, and just kind of saw this entire evolution. And I, I think I've just always kind of been their go-to word nerd along the way of like every time <laughs> they needed a blog post or something like that is, is pretty cool or, or to hop in, uh, something. So, um, I didn't become a full-time employee until about three years ago. So it's been, um, it's been pretty interesting to see the evolution along the way. And it's, it's just, 
it's honestly, it's been kind of a masterclass in business and marketing and, and yeah. how to scale a company. Like, you know, everybody sees Evan and Matt and Jared and Logan, you know, the different personalities involved, they, they see them for the funny videos and, and the public personas that are there. And they are those people, you know, don't get me wrong. But then there's this whole other side that you don't see during, you know, marketing meetings or product development meetings or talking, you know, talking to coffee producers in Central America. And it's, it's just fascinating seeing these guys who they were just knuckle draggers like the rest of us, but have now created this behemoth of a company that's not just selling a product, but also, you know, selling this idea that, 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 you know, blatantly tries to inform, entertain, educate. They're, they're trying to, you know, not just sell coffee, but educate people about coffee. It's a lot of what I do is like, Hey, you know, like introduce people, like what's a Q grader? What's how do you do a pour over? Why does water temperature matter? You know, measure your coffee, things like that. The different brew methods, like the guys are actually legitimately passionate about coffee and, and all the other stuff that you see. And it's, it's just been amazing to see the growth and, and certainly, and I, I think Evan and, and Matt and the guys that have, you know, been working on this since day one, they'd be the first to tell you that it hasn't been all, you know, unicorns and rainbows the entire way. They, they've certainly overcome some significant challenges. And I, I'm sure Evan could tell you that there's been a day or two along the way where, hey, well, you know, I don't know whether, you know, Black Rifle Coffee survives or not. Um, but it's, I, I think when you look at it in retrospect now, you're like, well, of course it would. It's such a great idea. And look at the people running it. And like, oh, of course it's doing. Sure. But, yeah. You know. When you don't have that retrospect, when you're the person that's you're living in the trenches, that, I don't yeah. think you necessarily see that. And I just can't, you know, I can't, uh, you know, praise those guys enough for like, man, just having the balls to do it, you know, just having, there's so many different times that they could have said, Hey, we've grown it. You know, three years ago, they could have said, Hey, we've grown this insanely fast. Let's pump the brakes. Let's enjoy some of the profits. You know, let's live the easy life a little bit. But instead, they're like, no, let's hire veterans. Let's expand. Let's grow. Let's create a place for people to come to and have a career. Let, let, you know, like they, they've had this yeah. bigger vision the entire way. You know, good enough was never good enough at any point along the way here. And it's just, man, how many people do you run into that have that kind of vision? It's pretty rare. You know, it, it's really cool to see just that community come together. And, and you've, you, so your, your participation, you're a lot in like the marketing and the, the, um, um, like social media space and, and blog writing and all that for them. And that, and that has parlayed into a couple other things that you have going on as well. Right. Um, like you guys have a podcast, you have the coffee or die magazine, you got a couple other things taking place. Walk me through some of that stuff as well. You know, one of the things that we do really well is, you know, is the content piece, right. And there's yeah. multiple kind of different buckets there. Um, so I run coffee or die magazine for them. We started that about two and a half years ago at launched and, and that's really, you know, I compare it to like, you know, if Jeff Bezos has the Washington Post, I want Evan Hafer to have Coffee or Die magazine, you know, and it's, it's kind of this journalistic outlet that is, you know, kind of started as like a lifestyle magazine, but is now following a lot of the news and, and, and covering things that are, um, you know, about or of interest to, uh, you know, the military, uh, veterans, people in the intelligence community, um, and, and law enforcement, right? And so we've done everything from, you know, actually the big story that we launched the publication on was uh, I went out and embedded with a special forces ODA in Eastern Afghanistan a couple of years ago and came back and, you know, we put, a, you know, a, a feature length uh, story together, did a video, um, everything. And, and that was what we launched on. And we're still, 
doing kind of, you know, risky stuff like that, where even this year with the civil unrest in the country and everything, we had multiple uh, reporters going out into the thick of the protests, getting pelted with rubber bullets and CS gas and stuff and reporting on these stories. It's It's Dang. been a tenant of this from the get-go of like, hey, you know, a lot of us are people that came from, you know, deploying to war zones and stuff. And, and now it's like, you know, we set down our rifle and picked up a camera, you know, um, we still pick up the rifle on weekends and stuff, but like, <laughs> as far as our job is concerned, you know, it's, right. it's, we're out there capturing the story and, and uh, bringing things to light and, and telling stories about people that we think are, you know, important to tell and, and reporting on things that, you know, we think are important to the community. So um, that's been really cool. And, and then the other aspects of it, it's like, yeah, there's, you know, they got the free range American podcast that they just launched and we just launched a sister publication to go along with that podcast. That will be, um, it's the same writing staff that we have on coffee or die magazine, uh, that'll now be running the free range America one as well. And, uh, you know, we actually brought over an awesome guy, uh, Mike Shea, who kind of comes from the field and stream outdoor life. Um, uh, you know, that space, uh, as a, you know, veteran reporter, yeah. Um, who's going to come over and really elevate our game on that front. And uh, so we got a lot of things there too. And, and we've got, you know, Logan Stark, um, who, uh, you know, there's not a piece of content he doesn't touch uh, within the company. You know, he's largely responsible for these, you know, we do these BRCC presents uh, and, and it's who we are videos that are just, you know, incredible. You know, they, they're like little mini documentaries that again, are just highlighting some, some great people and, um, and yeah, that's all the other stuff. And then of course, everybody knows about the humorous videos, the skits and, and things like that. I, I think everybody knows about that. And, yeah. And, you know, I'll just you know, say about that too. Again, it's, it's a lot more work than what it looks like for those guys to pull that off and to continuously, you know, keep that creative juice flowing over the course of years and not just be one hit wonders. It's like, you're still putting out hilarious stuff to this day. And the fact that this is all going on, you know, everything from hard hitting reporting to, you know, dick jokes to, um, you know, serious documentary profiles and kind of every in podcast, you know, this is all happening under the umbrella of a coffee company. Like who, you know, when did Folgers ever do that? When did Maxwell house ever do that? You know? Yeah. Um, it, it's actually pretty incredible. I think yeah. I'm biased of course, but like, sure. I'm going to go ahead and say it's, it's pretty incredible that a coffee company is doing this. Yeah. It's really incredible. Well, and you know, like you're mentioning, like that content that's all surrounding it is such, it, you know, it, it built the brand, right? And um, mm -hmm. and that I, I, that's such an important piece, I think, for for companies and businesses today is really, you know, what is your brand and how are you building it and how are you attracting people to it? Like basically, how are you marketing it, right? And um, mm -hmm. and there's nothing more important than that content creation right now, video stuff, blog stuff, you know, um, all of that has a piece, I think, in, in building that brand and growing the company. Um, so, I mean, I find that stuff super fascinating. Obviously, you know, um, I have a podcast and, you know, working on building my personal brand in the VA loan space and all that. So, you know, a lot of that resonates because I'm, I'm always working towards and trying to focus more on, you know, what other kind of content can I provide and create and, and stuff like that to help, you know, create that, that awareness. Yeah. It's, it's not easy. It, it, it takes a lot of work. And I mean, you're, I'm sure seeing it, yourself right now like man this is there's a lot more that goes into this stuff i even see you guys you know setting up just before this podcast it's like people don't see that side of it you know it's yeah um there's a lot that goes off you know goes into putting out a quality piece of content yeah i guess you know you guys are have built quite a bit in the that's going on right now but what would you say for somebody who is you know in the military and they're transitioning 
to the civilian life? You know, what, what kind of, I don't know, advice or lessons could you share with them to help? I mean, obviously you're not going to go from being in the military today to tomorrow running a 400 person company, right? I mean, there's, there's obviously a growth to it, but, um, and there's speed bumps and hurdles along the way that I'm sure you guys have hit and might advise some people like, Hey, watch out for this kind of thing. What kind of advice could you share with people? Yeah. I I mean, I think when you're getting out of the military, it's, you know, really good to have a pace plan, Um, you know, primary alternate contingency emergency, like have those set up for what you plan to do, not just financially, but, but, um, you know, your career goals or whatever you're trying to transition to. And, And I say that, you know, whether you're getting out just to go, you know, just trade in your, your camouflage uniform for, uh, you know, a civilian one and, and go grow a beard and go contracting, or you're going to college or you're starting a business or you're going to go work for a fortune 500 company. You're going to go fucking sell used cars. I, I mean, whatever you're doing, right. Like, right. like have a couple of backup options there and expect, like expect that you may go through a couple of those, those contingency plans, you know, um, I certainly did. You know, the reason I got out of the military is no longer, I'm not doing that anymore. You know, I, I stayed flexible and it was, was honest with myself. There was a little bit of a checking your ego. Cause when I got out of the military, I was like, Oh, I'm going to go create a huge company and be this entrepreneur and all this other stuff. And I had to be really honest with myself and be like, man, that's just not where my passion is at. I, I would rather go write books and make movies and, and uh, you know, travel and, and tell stories. You know, that just, I had to be honest with myself and give up on like, okay, the reason I got out of the military is not actually, you know, going to be my main effort anymore. And, and I think it's, you know, having those open conversations with yourself and, you know, with your spouse or family member, partner, whoever, uh, you know, that is close to you, that's, you know, affected by the decisions you make. It's like, you, you got to be ready for that, you know? Um, but some of the other things too, is, you know, when you do make a plan, you know, if your plan is to get out and go to college, like get out and go to college, then use your GI bill, set yourself up, use that time. And I actually, you know, I look at, it's almost like when you're leaving high school, you know, there's all these high school kids that leaving, they go to college and they talk about, Hey, that first couple of years, I was just trying to figure out what I even wanted to do with my life. You know? Right. Um, it's, I think it's almost like that when you're getting out of the military to a certain degree, especially if you're somebody that's getting out at in your mid twenties or, or late twenties, even, you know, uh, certainly it's a little bit different situation if you're retiring at 45 after a 25 year, 25 sure. year career in the military. Yeah. That's certainly a little bit different. But a lot of the things actually still still apply. The transition hurdles are still there. But it, you know, treat those first couple of years of like, hey, let's go try to do some stuff. And if going to college for free is a is a way for you to figure out what you're passionate about, like, dude, at least you're not paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for it, like the kids coming straight out of high school are. You can go get an education and still kind of figure yourself out or what this new version of yourself is going to be or um or whatever. And you know, if you're going straight into another career or uh, or things like that. It's just, you know, recognize that going into it, it's, you're going to build it up in your head, especially that last year in the military, when you know, you're getting out and you're making these transition plans, you build a lot of things up in your head and you put them on a pedestal, be ready to be a little bit disappointed, you know, like civilian life. It's like, it's still kind of hard, you know, don't think that everything is just going to magically get easier because you don't have to wake up at 5am anymore, or that you don't have to write NCOAs anymore. Like there's a <laughs> civilian a level of civilian shittiness that will directly correlate to whatever military shittiness you're, you're leaving behind. Right. Um, right. It just looks a little so different. That's, yeah. So I think it's just like, you know, go into it eyes wide open, be flexible, have plans and be ready to, to throw a frago at those plans if, if necessary. Yeah. Well, that's, 
that's really good advice. And I, I hear that from a lot of people is, is really just have that plan. And I think the one thing the military does a good job of teaching us about is, is how to create a plan and um, initiate that plan, right? And um, so you can apply a lot of that experience, um, like project manage yourself, basically, right? Um, mm -hmm. Create that plan and work the plan. Um, you know, one thing I, I wanted to ask you about too, I, I forgot to ask earlier was lead slinger. So, um, mm -hmm. I, I kind of discovered, um, that brand and, and I don't know how much involvement you have with that or not, but I've been using it for like some closing gifts and stuff and got some, uh, some pretty good remarks from it. And, um, so I just wanted to, to pick your brain a little bit on lead slinger. If you could maybe share with the, everybody what that is. Uh, yeah, so I, you're, you're right. I don't have too much involvement with that. Again, I was kind of there when they were starting it up. And I remember being around when like they got their first bottle of it and I got to uh, taste, you know, one of the first iterations of it and see one of the first bottle designs. That was really cool. But I think it's definitely something that's, you know, I, I said, I don't want to say too much about it because I don't really know how it fits into the ecosystem right now, you know, one way or the other. Right. Um, but I know when I go to my local liquor store to pick stuff up, I see it on the shelf there and it's obviously doing pretty well. Um, you know, it's in a lot of different places and it's again, just another one of those uh, pursuits that I think, you know, Matt and Jared had as well as their, you know, business partner that they have in the liquor space is, you know, it's just really incredible what they've been able to pull off. So um, yeah, but I don't know too much about like where that's at right now, where that's going or, yeah. or honestly where it's been in the past year or two, but I just remember that was back in like 2014 or 15 or whatever it was around the time when it was first coming out. I just remember being like, wait a second. So you're going to start a freaking whiskey company. Like <laughs> it sounded crazy at the time, Yeah, and, you know, but it's hey, you know, it's just another thing that's kind of worked out for them. Yeah. That, it's cool. You know, it's another one of those, you know, American made things, you know, um, mm -hmm. and you know, there's been a heavy push for, you know, buying American made, especially the last few years. And, and couple that with the fact that, you know, it's veterans behind it. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, you know, th those two components alone and same with the coffee um, are, are really important drivers um, as far as, you know, generating that customer base and stuff and, and the attention. Yeah. yeah, that's that's one thing I think, you know, one of the lessons that uh, Jared uh, Taylor, you know, talked about like really early on was like, you know, like marketing 101, like create a customer base first and then introduce product. Don't introduce products and then try to find customers, do it in reverse fashion. And that's what they've done every step of the way is create a customer base, then introduce the products. Um, and I think that's really smart and obviously requires a little bit of patience, but uh, it's uh, it just, it makes a lot of sense. And obviously you just look at their successes and, and, and the proof is there, right? The proof of concepts are there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what would you say, like, um, from like a content perspective, if you were, um, to advise somebody that's, you know, building their own brand. And, and I talk about this a lot, you know, like on social media and stuff in my industry, in the real estate and the mortgage space, um, about people just creating their own brand. They are their own brand, you know, in, in our, our field. But, um, what would you su suggest, you know, from the experience that you've accumulated in that space, what would you suggest as pointers or tips for people as they, you know, venture into creating their own brand, whether it's building a company or it's just, you know, their own kind of sole proprietor gig, what would you suggest? You know, I think fortunately at this point where, you know, whereas 10 years ago, the idea of having a social media presence and, you know, a website and everything like that was, it was a pretty new thing. But at this point, there's so many good examples out there 
free to take a look at. There's really no example for regardless of what industry or career field you're in or what market you're in, for you not to go out and look at the other people that are doing well in that space and see what are they doing and how can I do it better? You know, um, I don't think it's ever good to just look at them and be like, okay, I'm going to do exactly that because then you're already a step behind, you know, because that person's already thinking about how they can up their game. That's why they're at the top. So you need to take a look at, okay, what are they doing? How can I do it better? And start implementing those things and, 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 you know, be willing, be willing to accept that your initial hypothesis didn't work out, you know, but you have to do that. And, and I think it really starts with just having a mission statement. If you, you know, building a brand is no different than building anything else like or, or doing anything else. It's like, have a mission statement for yourself and everything that you do should be able to tie back into that mission statement somehow. Right. Right. And, um, and I think that's just hugely important with building a brand and, and building a following and doing all that stuff. And certainly, um, you know, I've been concerned with, you know, kind of establishing myself as my own brand and, and everything like that. It's just as far as like being a journalist and a storyteller and, you know, being able to sell a book or get somebody to read an article, you know, those are all important things, but even I don't do it as well as, you know, say Matt or, or Jared or, or, or those guys. I mean, they're massively successful and, and have the, the playbook down. Um, but I know for them, it just starts with like, you know, having a mission statement and, uh, you know, having a plan in place, executing it, you know, looking at what other people are doing and figuring out how to do it better. And, um, and then holding yourself to really high standards. You know, I can't tell you how many things don't get posted, how many videos have been made that didn't go live. You know, they are absolutely brutal in their, um, in, in their endeavor to only put out things that are the absolute best representation of them. And, and their talents and, and what they bring to the table. So there's a lot of stuff that gets left on the cutting room floor. I don't think anybody, whether it's, you know, building a, you know, uh, an Instagram following or launching a website or anything like that. It's like, you should be looking at like, what do I need to do to make this best in class? Um, and then not settling for anything else. And, and not, you know, there's this idea in business about minimum viable product. And I think that applies to some places, but you can control what you put on your social media account. I don't think there's such thing as minimal, mi- minimum viable product when it comes to that stuff, like go out there and, 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 you know, do it and, and hold yourself to a high standard. And, and, uh, you know, it, as long as you're kind of loyal to that, that niche that you find, whatever niche you're in or whatever market you're in, you know, make sure you're just being genuine to whoever your prospective followers are. Um, and you know, again, that's, I think the big reason for black rifle success is they've never forgot who they sold that first bag of coffee to, you know, right. or those first hundred bags to, and that's who they continue to try to be loyal to while still casting a wider and wider net. Sure. But, um, but never turn your back on the people that you initially, you know, were, were trying to, you know, sell to or, or be among in their community. Yeah, that's right. And I, and you hit on a, a topic there too, which was, you know, being consistent with it. I think that's the easiest place to fail in creating like your brand and your content, right? Is just that, that certain level of consistency and not even so much like consistency, like, Hey, every Wednesday I need to put out a post, but more so like having the consistency in the planning of it. Right. Because like, mm-hmm. as you were mentioning, you know, so much of their, their content and stuff doesn't, isn't seen live. Right. But the amount of time and effort that they're putting behind all this behind the scenes that none of us see is pretty incredible. Right. I mean, it's, it's probably very regular, very regimented on you know, when they're getting together, brainstorming stuff, you know, and then, yep. you know, putting a plan together, all that stuff. And that, and that's, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. I think, you know, we all get so accustomed to seeing like that 
that Instagram page that just looks awesome, right? It's got the best photos and the best videos and the verbiage is all spot on and you know the tags are right like all those little intricate things which are important um but you know there might have been 10 other posts that never made it um when that one did yeah, all of that all of those elements were very much on purpose if it looks good and you think it looks awesome that means it was on purpose you don't just make you don't put out awesome stuff on action you know exactly um, i think that's a huge thing is like yeah those people you know, you know, you see some of these photography accounts that are out there that do really well. It's like, man, they, you know, absolutely crush themselves trying to find the perfect still to put on their Instagram grid. You know, it, it just like, you know, we'll spend days on it. And, and that's, you know, uh, again, I think that's like, comes down to just like, hold yourself to a high standard, you know, uh, that, that stuff doesn't come easy. It's not going to necessarily be your first attempt or your 10th attempt that, that makes it happen. Well, Marty, I, I want to just say thanks. Uh, I was super excited to to get a chance to have you on here, and um, you're sure doing a lot of stuff. And appreciate your service, and uh, thank you for just sharing like your knowledge and and what you guys are up to with our audience. Um, I know it'll be super valuable to them, and and you know, love to have you back on the show one of these days too. Yeah, hundred percent, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in to the Armed and Ready podcast today. As always, if you have any questions, visit me on valonguy.us.